Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Line of Vienna Rewind podcast. That's right, back in your ears after a fairly, fairly long break, in which time the world has gone to absolute rat shit. But that aside, we, we persevere. We've Bolton Wanderers in modern days doing better than ever. We're currently on a 12-game unbeaten run as we sit here in, in late March. But tonight we're going to take you in our way back machine, all the way back to 15 years ago, to the 2006-2007 season. So I'm Chris, and tonight we've got my usual co-host on Lee. Good evening, Lee. How are you? Very good, mate. Very good. Just uh, wolf my tea down and ready for a bit of reminiscing. Excellent. Pleased to hear it. I'm also joined by host of the main LOV pod, Tom. Good evening, Tom. How are you doing, mate? Good evening, mate. Uh, I'll be doing a lot better if uh, Wales hadn't just thrown away their lead against uh, Belgium, but we'll, we'll get on to much more happier memories in a second, I'm sure. Oh, bless. Indeed. And, and these are happy memories. Obviously, we do this pod for a particular reason. I mean, granted, when we first started out, it's because modern football was fairly rubbish. Wanderers were fairly rubbish. And, and all we had were our memories. But now here we are in 2021. Wanderers are suddenly, all of a sudden the best team in the universe without a care in the world. So why are we looking back? Well, we're looking back because these still evoke such happy memories for all of us of a certain age. So, Tom, I'll come to you first of all. 2006, 2007 season. I was at the ripe old age of, of 22 at that time. I can only imagine you were a mere whippersnapper. I was, yeah. Um, I, I, I tell you what, there's a lot of seasons that I would consider sort of my first one really going and paying attention to Bolton results, etc, etc. Um, sort of, I think from 2003-04 onwards, I, I would say, is when it really started to pique my interest. Um, but 2006-07 is by absolute miles my, my, my favourite season. And it's, it's mainly because it was when I first started to properly identify with a lot of players in the team. Yeah. You know, I, could, I, I knew um, what our lineup was going to be week on week. I could basically look, get, finally look forward to, to matches and actually have conversations with my dad and other people about uh, the side and, and how successful we were going to be. And I think it really just helps that having had a lot of disappointment in the previous season having had our European campaign and it not quite ended the way that mm. we wanted it to there was a sense of optimism going into this season that we could really kick on and start pushing for those Champions League places and it was incredible to be able to go into school every day uh, and being able to tell people I'm a Bolton Wanderers fan and be very very proud of that fact um, which is something that I've not had for a long time um, supporting this club and just for that reason I think it's by far and away my, my favourite season giving the bigger sides a bloody nose Good results against Arsenal, Liverpool, etc. Really pushing for those top places. Uh, you know, Allardyce team at their peak, and also containing one of my favourite ever players to play for the club in Nicholas Anelka, which I'm sure we'll get onto. So yeah, I, despite my, my my young age, it, everything from that season is very very vivid. Fantastic, and, and you're dead right in in saying that the previous campaign, 0506, we'd finished eight. Missed out on Europe by two points. And Lee, it may have been a lot higher, a much more successful season. But if you recall, the speculation around Big Sam becoming England manager forced us into a, into an unbelievable slump in March and April of that campaign. Looking back um, with, with our white-tinted specs on, do, do you think at the time we perhaps should have... Well, I suppose we did give Allardyce permission to leave, didn't we, to become England manager? But do you think how, how do you think our, our fortunes might have differed had he, had he left then? Because although... In the following season that we're going to talk about, 06 or 07, we did qualify for Europe. Obviously, it was it was with Sammy Lee come the very end. Yeah, so so the, the dip, you mean, was in the 05, 06 season? Mm. Around Christmas. Yeah, March yeah. and April. Yeah, we yeah. were doing really, really well and it, and it just went, went tits up. Yeah, the season before the one we're talking about. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, 
I remember us losing. I think we had did we have six um, six home games in a row that we lost. I think I remember when Liverpool lost their sixth home game recently. It mentioned that the only other there's about five other Premier League teams who've managed to do that, and, and we were one of them. I think it was in that season, wasn't it, around Christmas time that we we yeah. had, a, had a shocking run at home to like Blackburn, Wigan. I remember Dickoff's going a winner in a dire game, and yeah, so it, it sort of went <laughs> that dip. Um, did, did it sort of coincide with the rumours that Allardyce was was potentially yeah, into the England a, job? There was a lot of draws around that period. I know in February, for example, we only won one game in February and we drew six. So yeah. It was a busy busy February, but poor results. And then going into March, we only won twice in March and then only once in April before we got three points on the last day of the season. So April especially was, was shocking. We lost 4-3 away at Middlesbrough in the, the last game of March. And then we lost every single game in April up until uh, the, the game on the 17th where we drew 0-0 away at West Brom in an intensely memorable game for everyone. <laughs> I was going to say that's um, it's a pretty poor end to the season, really, isn't it? So it's surprising... Mm how well the, the following campaign went as a whole. Um, but yeah, it was, who knows what it would have, you know, if, if Allardyce had got the England job, it's like a sliding doors moment. Who knows what we would have, uh, sure. would have whether we'd have appointed little Sam or whether we'd have gone with someone a, a bit of a bigger name and someone a bit more established. Who knows? But uh, I'm glad we I'm glad we managed to keep him for the 06 season, 06 07 season, and at least, you know, had an. A, made plenty more memories until he eventually departed in April of that season, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, the, the, going into the season, so obviously we had the World Cup in Germany and the only real memory I have of that of, in terms of Wanderers players making it, Mate played for, for Ivory Coast, obviously he'd only just signed for us. Um, I remember Borghetti scoring an absolutely sensational own goal against Argentina for Mexico, a perfect header into the wrong net. I highly recommend people check that out. But, in, in terms of transfer comings and goings, players that left the club in that summer, I mean, this is a bit of a who, a bit of a, an unbelievable look back into how the world was different at the time. We lost Jaidi to Birmingham. We also lost Ngotti to Birmingham. Um, JJ Akocha left. Baghetti left. Nakata left. Fadiga left. And most importantly, Didier Haman left that summer as well. A very brief spell. Didn't he also join? <laughs> depends who you talk to. In terms of incomings, we, we made the Abdul Faye deal permanent after his loan. Like I said, we signed Mate. We also signed Idan Tal, Quinton Fortune, Andronic, and Al Habsi. But Tom, first thing to, to talk about with you, the main topic of conversation that entire summer as a Wanderers fan, I remember it very clearly, was whether we'll beat Everton to the signing of Andy Johnson from Crystal Palace. Bit of a one-season wonder in the Prem. Um, but again, like Lee said a moment ago, a sliding doors moment. Had we signed Andy Johnson, who at that time was, we thought, a, a proven up-and-coming young English striker, scored goals in the Premier League, we never would have signed an Elka. How do you think that deal might have uh, might have come off? Or do you think it would have come off at all if he'd have signed for Wanderers, given how he played? Because he was a smaller chap. And given that Allardyce's team was very much focused around the Kevin Davies style centre-forward. Off the top of your head, what sort of difference do you think that might have, might have brought about for the club? Well, I think I think Andy Johnson is exactly the kind of striker that you'd have hated to, to play for Bolton, considering he seemed to be a bit of a penalty merchant. So that, that would have mm. driven you up the wall no end. <laughs> but um, in, in terms of what he could have done for Bolton, I think it would have all depended on whether he could have stayed fit. Um, mm. the, the unfortunate thing for Johnson is it was marked by his careers with Everton after after obviously the, the, this speculation and, and then with Fulham afterwards he just the poor the poor lad just couldn't stay fit for very very long. Clearly had merits as a striker, but in terms of fitting our style, I think what, what was what was so brilliant about Anelka was the fact that 
it didn't matter what kind of style of football we played. He was just that good. That mm. he, was, he was basically given a free roll up top to do whatever the hell he liked. And I think Andy Johnson being, for want of a better phrase, a bit more of a functional striker, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as successful. Obviously, we're looking back with the benefits of hindsight there. And he could have ended up scoring. I mean, bear in mind, Anelka scored 12 goals, which we look back at as a decent total now. But, you know, they could well have been, Andy Johnson could well have, could well have done better than that tally, but would never have had the same kind of aura as having someone like Nicholas Anelka on a team sheet. I think that I think that's the, one of the key points. It's not just the fact that he was that good that he could play in any style. It's when you're coming up against these other middle middle ground Premier League sides like your Middlesbroughs, your Portsmouths, your Fulhams of this world. When they see Nicholas Anelka on your team sheet, those defenders know they're going to be in for one hell of a difficult match. And I th- it was it was that aura that, that he had of coming into the team, especially with the eight million pounds that he put down to sign him, that really made him a success. I think it, obviously it took him a while to find his feet, but once he did, he flew. Absolutely. We'll come to that in a minute or two. But I think you're dead right about the aura side of things. It does make a big difference, doesn't it? And especially at the time, we got used to having such good players in our team. You know, like I said, we lost Jaidi, Okocha, Ngotti and Borghetti and Nakata that summer going into the 2006-2007 season. Some unbelievable names and some unbelievable talents there as well. But um, I think it's notable that, an Elka aside, our only signings were, were small, cheap signings, you'd say. Faye. Mate, Tal, Fortune, Andrew Nick and Al Habsi, probably not a couple of million quid between them and largely not an incredible impact either. But uh, again, we'll come to that as we move on. So going into the season, one's for the nerds out there. In kit news, Wanderers wore that wonderful all-white kit with the blue and red stripe down the right arm. Still got a, one, of the, one of those T-shirts upstairs that I wear for five aside, invoking so uh, memories of Kevin Davies, much with the same barrel chest, although my barrel chest is maybe not as athletic as his barrel chest. <laughs> Lee, being the, the stat man amongst us, can you remember the second kit we had that season? <laughs> Just on the Wikipedia page, so yeah. Can nah, I, well, I cheat, well, cheat, cheat. Well, I, I, bought, <laughs> I bought it straight after, well, don't know why. I bought it straight after the um, the Spurs game, the first game of the season. Okay. And I was that impressed with um, with a certain South African left-back that we signed from United in that summer. <laughs> that I'd, but I, I got his name on the back of the shirt, and I think he played another three times for the club after that due to persistent injury. So, yeah, didn't get much fortune out of that shirt. But, um, yeah, that's fair. That's a ter- terrible pun. Awful pun. But um, that's that's the beer talking how I do that. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Chris. We'll have to start again. Edit it out, James. Edit it out. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah. I mean, basically... Um, I can't remember what your question was now after that awful pun. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You, you're, dead, you're dead right. You know, you shouldn't have all admitted to your Wikipedia. Oh, the kit, yeah. The... Far more credit than we did. You were right. The, the famous plum red kit was a, was a brilliant yeah. one. Yeah. Pinnacle hue it, to it. Yeah. I was going to say, is that how you describe it? I've got no idea what colour that actually was. Yeah. It was like, look at my like notes. a yellow trim, wasn't it? It had like a yellow yeah. trim on it and then like a my, yeah, purple and black. My, my research notes say plum ready type third kit. But although it was a second kit, so there you go. But I do recall yeah. was also wearing the dark blue pinstripey one as well from time to time. It uh, it was a, a different sartorial uh, genius going around, I think, wonders at that sort of time. And something I think is lost a little bit on modern day kits. But then again, it could just be the fact that we're all getting older. Going into the season, um, the expectation, I suppose, for Wanderers would continue much in the way we had the previous year. Allardyce had... had Pioneered, I think, in some respects, the sort of four-one-two-three formation uh, with Kevin Davies as the figurehead. Obviously, we'd work on getting the ball in the box as quick as we can. Red wingers, nom- nominally, 
being Stelios, Juf and, and Kevin Nolan kind of in, interchanging amongst the, uh, amongst the three of them and carrying a fantastic uh, threat from set pieces. Uh, Campo in front of a, of a, a pretty solid defence as well. And we, as, as, as ever, we had the caricature of being a dirty long ball team, which was obviously a completely unfair exaggeration. You're not going to tell me that Campo, Speed and Nolan with the, the energy they've got, the control and, and the goals they could score as well, with a front three of Stelios, Juf and Elka Davies. Pace, skill, guile, work ethic. And in an Elka, a genuine world-class player, I think, at the time. Um, Tom, it, it's unbelievable, isn't it, to look back, really, as, as the sort of the, 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 the collection of riches we had in our attacking play, especially given the, the paucity of choice we've had in, in recent years. I love looking back at this. It, we just felt like a threat, didn't we, all the time? It, it's very, very sad at the time, or at least I felt sad at the time, that because of the form of um, Jufa, Nelka and Davis in, in that uh, attacking trio, that Stelios was often overlooked that season. Um, and Stelios is one of my favourite players for Bolton yeah. over that period Brilliant. by country mile. You know, if someone, if you wanted someone to nick you a goal, um, you know, ignoring all of all of the technical ability and skill that he could possess, then Stelios was, was sort of that perfect goal scoring midfielder from that for, for for that side. And yeah, it was just a shame to see him miss out. But no, the embarrassment of riches that we had, I think it was a shame that quite a few of them were the wrong side of thirty at the time because I think that that mm. led to the eventual burnout that happened over the course of the season because they weren't given the reinforcements that Allardyce so desperately wanted off Phil Gart's side. But on their day. It's one of those things, again, where people look back and they, you see lauded that mid-2000s ball one side and you can rattle off name after name after name of a player who, who is heralded as a legend of, of the game. It's amazing that they played for my club and it's, fant- and it's why we do this podcast because it, it just sort yeah. of reminds you that that actually happens. You know, we might be sitting here, despite our positive form in League 2 and being depressed about the current situation. But it's very, very hard to not be amazed that we lived through the time when Bolton Wanderers had such incredible players and some incredible players that didn't even get into that starting eleven. Absolutely. And that was going to be my next question to you, Lee, was although we had a squad ostensibly with you know, 30, 40 players in there, I think there was a lot of filler in there. Looking back, do you think strength in depth was something that cost us in this 06-07 season? Because again... Much as we've done the previous year, there is an unbelievable second half of the season slump and investment and lack of investment can be put down to that. But then also at the same time, the names I mentioned before, like who had left, you're talking half a dozen players with only three or four being brought in. To, to what extent do you think that the, the fact that we, we put all our eggs in one basket into having a good first team, or at least the first 12 or 13, shall we say, ultimately cost us that, that chance of, of real glory? Yeah, I think so. Like you say, when we were, um, the game I picked out for us to have a chat about, um, after that game, everyone just thought it was in the midst of a, a five-game winning run. Um, and after that game, everyone just thought, right, if we can just, in the January, just before January, the game has chosen it's a victory to Portsmouth. And I think that was the that was the, cam- the straw that brought the camels back, I think, with Allardyce, in the fact that if Gartz had given him yeah, what what is now really peanuts, obviously, but was a bit more, you know, in that in old money, it was a lot more. So even yeah. 15, 10, 15 million just to strengthen the squad. Who knows? You know, I, I doubt very much that Allardyce would have had a Alex Ferguson-esque 25-year stint as well, however long it would be now if he was still here. But, you know, you just never know, Ian. If, if, he'd, been, if he'd been backed in the transfer window and 
and we'd uh, managed to sort of beef up the squad. Um, but like I said, look, we weren't fighting on many fronts. Obviously, we would have had the FA Cup to come, wouldn't we? I've not looked at how we did in the FA Cup that season, actually. But we would have had, you know, uh, you know just basically concentrate on the league, but we just needed that depth of squad because, like you say, we had yeah. we had a very good sort of 14, 15 players. But beyond that, you, you were sort of scraping the barrel a little bit with... Uh, the likes of Rob Sissons, a eh, uh, Tom. Sorry, so I mentioned that name. Um, and <laughs> or Sam uh, you know, I don't think he was there. Then. Um, so basically, you know, like I say, you've got got likes of Luba and Mikulik who had to play towards the end of the season, and you know we we had Joey O'Brien in and out, you know, sort of covering as well. Like I say, Ian Antel was a, a bench player most of the time, but he was probably not of the required standard to come in and, and, and come in for someone like Stelios if he was injured or like I say and the only signing we did make in that January was was uh, was the mate I think I think it was the only signing was David Thompson on loan mm. from, from 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 Portsmouth. So you know that like you say I think the fact that we had that lack of um, squad depth really came back to bite us without doing loads of research on on injuries towards the back end of the season. Uh, even just fatigue of the players who you sort of played week in week out, and the likes of you know Gary Speed, who's obviously knocking on God rest his soul. He was he was obviously 30, 36 by then. I would have thought thirty five. He was, you know, and he played virtually every game. So you know <laughs> you'd like to think you'd have someone in there who, who could yeah. replace his his qualities. I don't think someone like Andronic was that type of player. He was more of a more of a sort of forward forward thinking midfielder. Um, but like you say, the, there was just a, a lack of um, lack of strength in depth. So I think it. It did definitely uh, hamper our, our hopes of, of, of getting in the Champions League. And what, what you said as well, Chris, with with the sort of ten to fifteen million, we probably wouldn't have even needed to have been that much at that time no, to, to fully I strengthen agree. the squad. When you look at what Megson was given the following season, mm. where when he brought in um, was it Cohen, Cahill, Steinson, and Taylor, all it would have needed was a, would have been a little bit of a sprinkle like that, mm. and we'd have been absolutely fine going into that run. In I'm convinced of that. I agree, uh, and you, Lee, your point prior about, about speed was dead right in, in and amongst me, me, me practice and getting things ready for tonight. The, the, the were, we had 11 players who played 30 or more games, including goalkeeper, across the across the season. Speed played every single one of that campaign, as wow. did Yussi. Uh, the one that surprised me the most was that Gardner only played 18 games, Stelios only played 23 games and didn't score at all across the season. So the little things like that that you see popping up where, where players that you expect to have a bigger influence didn't, and that's what cost us. And Elka being by far the, the, the top leading goal scorer, he scored 11. David scored nine. The nearest to that was Campo and Nolan. Now, Campo actually outscored Nolan in the season in, in terms of league goals, which I found really interesting. Not noted for his goal scoring, but obviously he started the season off well, which will come to shortly. Yeah, Quinton Fortune only made six appearances. Jufi only made Jufi made thirty-three, but only scored five. And then your backup players tell its own story. Henrik Pedersen eighteen appearances, Tal sixteen, Andranic seventeen, David Thompson only only eight, but managed to acquire three yellow cards in those eight games for his only impact whatsoever. The the lesser spotted Cesar Martin in there with his single appearance for the club, as with Johan Smith, which I'm sure he's. He's taken fondly into the rest of his career. But a thin squad was going into what was bound to be a long season. League games aside, we did have a cup presence again, which we'll cover shortly. But here we go in terms of the main season. We started off with an absolute bang. Everyone's seen that Ivan Campo goal against Spurs. It was a brilliant day out. Um, I remember it really, really clearly. Davies scored a fantastic goal 
in the first half and Campo followed that up with his 50, 60 yard thunderbolt. It We went on to lose the second game of the season. We lost away to Charlton 2-0, but then won five from the next six, including a home win over Liverpool. So I don't know if you guys remember that one, but just to hark back to that for a moment. It was an occasion where Pepe Reina carried the ball outside his goal and the eagle-eyed linesman gave a free kick, which Gary Speed knocked home. Have you ever <laughs> seen anything like that? that? Yeah, Tom, have you ever seen anything like that happen since? Because I certainly haven't. No, I, I'll tell you what, and, and it's it speaks volumes as to how vividly I remember this season. That I remember Andy Halliday, I remember Paul Walsh commentating on the game and hmm. being absolutely infuriated by it, because obviously as an ex-Liverpool player, um, j- just for a bit of context, I, I remember the game ridiculously vividly, as I say, because I, I had a golf lesson that morning down near where my grandma lives in, in Canterbury. Uh, the guy who was giving me the golf lesson was a Liverpool fan and been giving me absolute pelters all day about supporting Bolton and said what kind of uh, damage Liverpool were going to do to us later mm. on. Got got back to my grandma's turn and telling on to watch, to watch the game and I just remember it be, being so strange. It was just the, weird, the weirdest thing. Pepe Reina boots the ball at pitch. And there's all this consternation about you know him kicking it, his handling it outside the box. It was nowhere bloody near. It was about as inside the box as humanly possible. Um, but God bless Andy Halliday. Um, anyway, he was so unbolton-like to to take advantage of that kind of bit of good fortune and, and for, for Speedo to absolutely nail it into the corner was brilliant. And obviously the second goal with, with, with Campo, my dad's overriding memory from that game. And he, every time we, we watch it back, he he, he, he harks on about this of thinking that Carragher's trying to cheat by claiming the ball didn't go over the line by heading it over and protesting with the referee in typical That's Carragher right. style. Um, but yeah, we, it was just, I think in the build-up to that game, and this might be the wrong season, but I think it was this one because we, we, we obviously gave teams like Liverpool a bloody nose so often that they all sort of blend into one. I'm fairly certain Steven Gerrard said in the week building up, we shouldn't be losing to a team like Bolton. And so to rub it in his face Magical. And, and do it in that kind of comfortable style was just, was just superb, and it, it spoke volumes as to, as to the level of side that we were at that point. That really we didn't look it in trouble against the team like Liverpool. No. Obviously, go on to, to to be in a Champions League final that year. Absolutely, and you're not talking about Liverpool being being mugs under any circumstances. You know, this this was the Rafa Benitez Liverpool. This is a team of, of Reina and Hippier, Carragher, etc. Alonso and Gerrard. I remember it specifically being the, the debut of Alonso and Garcia for Liverpool and, and like, like you at school at school I was a bit older than that at the time but, but <laughs> mates who are Liverpool fans things like that were all full of it how these new lads are going to come in and take us to pieces I've got dug a quote out from Rafa Benitez at the time which I just want to just repeat for you guys and just revel in, in the sourness of it it was clear a mistake has been made Pepe let go of the ball inside the area and kicked it outside. The linesman was in a bad position. I knew at the time it was a mistake, but what can you do? Now, isn't that just 2006 Bolton Wanderers in a nutshell, Lee? This HMS Pistol League, piss boiling whites, I can't stand any of it. This, for me, is piss boiling whites, not the modern era. How good does it feel to look back at at quotes like that, at uh, at people like Benitez with, with his stuck so firmly in his craw? Yeah, it makes a difference riling up the likes of Liverpool and uh, Rafa Benitez rather than Mansfield and Nigel Clough. But then again, absolutely, it was, uh, it was a different era, wasn't it? But yeah, I was just thinking about the, um, the, the, the you mentioned the Didi Haman signing at the start of the season, and it just made me think if there was social media, I think well, I think Twitter probably did exist then, but to a very small scale. Just imagining the amount of uh, Abraham Simpson. Uh, 
gifts. <laughs> the, uh, enter, en- entering the room and, and exiting again. How many thousands of uh, that we would have seen? But uh, amazing. So that's an aside. But yeah, you know, like I say, we were just we were just constantly the um, the team that pissed every manager and every 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 team off in, in pretty much the whole league. You know, that in that area, weren't we? So it's just something yeah. which. We we reveled in, and uh, that was our that was kind of our identity, wasn't it? Just the team who who got under everyone's noses, and who everyone felt that they, they should beat, and they, they shouldn't shouldn't be there, and we shouldn't be beating them. And you know, it was just it was just great to to play that role really, and, and support a club who had that reputation. And, and there was very little. I'm not saying we beat Arsenal, Liverpool, United, Chelsea every time, but. We we beat them often enough that you know we, we, did. we just so we just played in we just played up to that tag of of, of spoilers and uh, and, we, and we generally did, did did pretty well against the teams below us as well on top of that which obviously propelled us into the heights we, we achieved. And there's just no fear around that time. I I remember coming to games against you know so-called bigger teams and just having no fear. You know, granted we may not win every time against the big boys, but you got you know, you'd usually think you would have a good go, especially in the home games. Um, but that end of September period when we beat Liverpool was followed a couple of weeks later after the international break was something that, that I remember really, really fondly was an away trip to Newcastle. It was the first time I'd ever been to St. James's Park and we were right at the top, right at the top of that back row, like watching Sabutio. It was it was ridiculous. But I remember we went 1-0 down, Sammy Amiobi scored a pen and in the second half and we were playing in that red plummy, whatever colour you want to call it, away kit, we scored twice in two minutes and came away with a 2-1 win. Jufi scored them both. Now, being where we were, the, the goals were scored at the exact opposite end of the pitch. It may as well have been in fucking Sunderland for all we could tell. I had no idea we'd scored until you saw the player wheeling away. Only then, you, you see back in, in time, these iconic pictures of Jufi giving it massive to all the Newcastle fans on the front row with his hands out, cupping his ears, just loving life. And, and again, it just sums up this period for me, that kind of thing. An absolute smashing grab. I do remember we were battered in that game. And then we scored in the 55th and 57th minute. I remember legging it down like 25,000 flights of stairs to try and get on the coach home because I'd, I'd put a bet on and we'd won and giving it the Vs out the window to the Newcastle fans all coming through the town centre as you left. Unbelievable. But what I'm going to follow this up with is my pick for game of the season. 22nd of October 2006. 8,000 Wanderers fans travelled to Blackburn for an away game in the Prem. We were in the midst of this massive unbeaten run. We'd been unbeaten since the first week of September. So a, a brilliant stretch that had, had propelled us up the table. Uh, and we faced Rovers, who at the time were an all right team. You know, this is the, the, the sort of Jason Roberts era, Robbie Savage era, Blackburn. And we beat them. We beat them 1-0. I'm going to come to both of you and see if you've got any particular memories of this game. But before I do, I want to just go through my own, if you, if you don't mind me indulging me. So this is the game where Yossi saved those two penalties in the last three minutes. Our man Campo scored a fantastic header in the second half, right in front of the, the away end at, at Blackburn. I think it's the Darwin end, I can't remember what it's called now. And, but it was just an absolute explosion, an absolute explosion of joy from all the fans present. It was absolutely brilliant. Rovers had come from playing in the UEFA Cup as well, so I remember me Blackburn supporting mates at the time, after the fact, claiming it was a, 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 because of their European travails that they hadn't, uh, they hadn't turned us over. But I remember the team really, really clearly. We played so well. We had, and I'm going to read it out again just to remind myself, but we had Yossi, Hunt, Faye, Mate, Benaim, Nolan, Campo, Speed, Davies, Anelka and Jufi. Just 
an absolutely wonderful lineup for some fantastic players. And after Campo scored, we had to withhold um, the frenetic attack. And obviously, they had the two penalties in the last couple of minutes. And that was all coupled with Nolan being sent off, which is a fact I'd, com- I'd completely forgotten about. But oh, I can't forget that. Cannot forget I'd, that. It's I'd the funniest thing I've ever seen. About it. And, and I, I, yeah, I went back and, and watched a, a YouTube video before, and then it all came flooding back to me because, of course, because he it's was in hilarious. that referee's, in Mike Dean's face, something chronic. And the fact that Mike Dean's still refing 15 years later after that, it, it was unbelievable. Allardyce came out after the game and said, um, we weren't at our best, but we got away with it. And it's our resilience and our strive to be successful that keeps us going. Yussi made a hero of himself today by saving two penalties. And if you're talking about top keepers, he's got to be up there with Petr Cech and Edwin van der Sar. Um, I'll give you a chance to have a think about this, Tom, but I'll come to Lee first. Can you, I don't know if you were there that day or if you remember any other examples of when we've had a, a finish of a game quite like that. Um, I can only maybe think of another one in relation to Blackburn when Stu Alden scored the, the, the goal straight from kickoff. But in your opinion, do you think that resilience that Sam mentioned in his, his post-match interview was, was something that was typical of this team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just just reading up on it now that game, and I wasn't actually there. I went to I went to the four three at Ewood. I think was okay. that season before, and I went to um, I think I went to the the one the year after. So I don't, I'm not sure why I wasn't there that season, but I think it was my birthday weekend. Yeah, so it was even sweeter. Um, so yeah, so 22nd of October, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, it was my birthday weekend, which is which is great. So. In relation to the, um... sorry, are you still there? Yeah, still here, mate. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, I just had a couple of noises on the, uh, on, the on the on the Discord. Sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, basically, yeah, it was just just a superb, superb back to the back to the wall sort of uh, performance, wasn't it? And like I say I can't really remember any anything like that at the end of the game. Um, just, just superb from Yussi and, and Allardyce was absolutely spot on to sort of put him in the same bracket as as Czech and Mandesar at that point. He was he was just outstanding, wasn't he? Most definitely, and, and it's it's a brilliant a brilliant memory going back. I'll, I'll certainly never forget that. Um, the the week after wasn't quite as impressive. This is when our, our little little slump began. Uh, we lost four nil at home to to United. Rooney got a hat trick and Ronaldo scored. But what? was surprising to me and again one I'd completely forgotten is that the week later we, we lost at home to Wigan in what would be a, a, a home defeat against local rivals something that we would repeat throughout the season it would take until the 25th of November for us to get back on winning run so from the 22nd of October through to the 25th of November we only gained one point which was in, in November itself where we took a two-all draw against Sheffield United at Bramwell Lane Tom uh, your game of choice when we talked about this beforehand was the, the 3-1 at home to Arsenal, which is the 25th of November, a night match, a game that I'm sure you remember really, really clearly. Going into that game, again, we were on the back of some pretty poor form. And this is an Arsenal team that contained the likes of, of Lehman, Torre, Fabregas, Walcott, Flamini, Lundberg, Adibaya. So not, not your, your invincibles, Arsenal, but still a pretty strong team nonetheless. Yeah, I, I think... Um... Like I say, there's so many memories from that season that are so vivid. I mean, you just talked about the Blackburn game, and just, just literally my, my my two take takeaways from that one before we, before we go on to the Arsenal one were just. I remember again being sat in front of uh, the screen at home because you know, obviously living living in Leicester, going to a Blackburn away game wouldn't have been 
wouldn't have been particularly feasible for me. But watching soccer Saturday and seeing the absolute meltdown of whoever it was was covering our game, and it's like there's been a penalty at Ewood Park saved, penalty at Ewood Park saved again, and the, the absolute chaos in that in our living room at that point w- w- was brilliant. And obviously the note and sending off is just as I say one of the funniest things that I remember because his little his little smile on his face when he's standing over Mike Dean about a good two feet taller than him. Uh, <laughs> While he's been sent off for that, that was hilarious. But no, the, 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 Arsenal, the Arsenal game is another one. I think it, it was at the time of when Sky obviously had quite a lot of uh, of coverage of, of Premier League football, but then we also had their their Prem Plus service, and I believe mm-hmm. it was it, uh, that that it was one of those games that we had to pay for to watch. And um, going into it, I think as you say, we've been in poor form, and Elka hadn't scored in the league yet, mm-hmm. and it was just one of those that was all it was set up to 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 be another night where we gave Arsenal a really, really torrid time as we as we did over the course of a lot of seasons during during that period. And I remember us obviously taking the lead through through Abdullah Fai with a classic header. You know, I loved Abdullah Fai. I thought he was absolutely superb for us. It was just a dreadful shame that we replaced um, Jaidi with Mate. I think Jaidi mm. and uh, Fai at centre half together would have been a, a colossal pairing. Um it was a superb header from him. And then yeah we, you mentioned very, very briefly how we always got labelled as the long ball team. And to a certain extent, that was true. When we were trying to establish ourselves in the Premier League, we had to have a tactic that made us stand out and were different. Um, but we had the players at this point where we could play both styles of football equally successfully. And the Anelka goal, his, 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 second, sorry, his first goal in that game, just sort of proves both of it. When the ball comes out to Kevin Davis on the right, absolutely beautiful ball, crossfield over to the other side of the pitch. If David Beckham had done it, they'd be talking about it for years because it was Kevin Davis, it was a hoof. Uh, and Elka picks it up, cuts it onto his right foot, and it is one of the purest of strikes I have seen from any player, let alone a Bolson player, right into that top corner. Layman doesn't even move. And it was just set up for, for, for an Elka to do that. And I remember just watching it go in and just thinking, Bloody hell! Yeah, rocket. <laughs> it was ridiculous. The power on it, the dip on it, the swerve. It's just one of one of easily one of my favourite Bolton goals. Having said that, though, obviously we we then do a classic Bolton and let them go up to the other end and score straight away because, of course. But to kill the game off, an Elka's second goal probably pips that first one for me, just because again, long ball Bolton, ball into Ivan Ivan Campo. And if you watch it back now, and I encourage anyone who's listening to this to do, to do it if they can, the pass from Campo is utterly sublime. Like it's one of those beautiful through balls that Pirlo, Xavi, and Iniesta would have been proud of. And the finish from Anelka and Erring into the corner. And anyone who wants to label Bolton as a long ball team, you'd only watch mm. the, uh, the calibre of those two goals and say, nah, not a chance. That's not who we were. We, we, we could mix it with the very best. It was stunning. A pair of stunning goals and, and, and sitting where I sit and where I've sat ever since the stadium opened, I suppose, is a perfect a perfect viewpoint for that goal. Right behind it, absolutely arrowed into the top corner. Uh, the game itself, I remember being quite scrappy in, in terms of the, the way that games against Arsenal tended to be. I mean, looking back, there were seven bookings, three for Wanderers and four for Arsenal. Lee, going into games against teams like Arsenal or even specifically against Arsenal, I don't know what you think, but I know from my point of view, I, I would used to think that a night match in winter, under the floodlights at, Re, at the Reebok, Arsenal are not going to fancy it, given the way that they were at the time and the way they maybe still are today. But how, how often do you think that the, the reputation of, of this Wanderers team and, and people like Davies in particular got into the heads of people like Arsene Wenger in this era, Rafa Benitez, etc. And obviously with, with Evra coming on the scene for United, Ferguson would be rattled as well. 
what, what do you think? How much do you think that really played a part in, in in giving us an opportunity to get a leg up in these tougher games? Yeah, I think it absolutely gave us a head start on teams, didn't it? That they just mm. sort of came to the stadium, sort of in trepidation, and just thinking, "Oh, not again," sort of thing. You know, we we'd beaten them in the FA Cup, I think, the season previous, haven't we? in the fourth round, I think, when uh, that Gardner put That's that beautiful right. cross in for Stelios, Stelios uh, diving header. Yeah, I think I think it was just one. Was it just one nil that game? It was. I think yeah. it was just a one one. So, um, you know, they'd already tasted. I think I think we did bet. I think we got the draw against them that pretty much gave the title to United um, the season before that as well. So we'd we'd had you know plenty of history of of, uh, of bloody and Arsenal's nose over, over at Highbury as well a couple of times. So um, or maybe they maybe but they made to the Emirates. I'm not sure, but I think I think one of the last games at Highbury we drew them one all as well. I think that, we, we were robbed in that game. Yeah, absolutely robbed. Yeah, yeah. I think Nolan scored that lovely flick Beautiful over going into the corner. Yeah. So, like I say, I remember that this, this this victory against Arsenal was just. I just remember it was sort of the time where I started to sort of like go out into Manchester after games and and just like had the best night sort of on the back of of, of the game. And um, was it was it a Saturday? It must have been a Saturday night game. I'm sure, it was a Saturday night, Saturday sort of the early evening game. Was it that one? Yeah, it was, an, it was an evening game. I can't remember it's whether it was Saturday. Though. No, it, it was Saturday. It was. A, yeah. I think it was a half past five kickoff, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because I, rem- I remember getting quick. You know, you, you know, after the game, like an evening game, you get get home quick and like get changed quick and get out. And just remember the night being just fantastic and just thinking, you know, I support a, a, like a fantastic football football t- club and football team. They were just. That game was. I think I put it down. I, I did a feature for the program once. Uh, and I think they asked me what my best five games or best three games were, and I think I put it top because I just thought mm. I just remember like how you, we'd have the wins over Arsenal where we sort of grounded out and we, you know, a little bit scrappy, but um, or we'll you know we'll get a late equaliser, or you know we'll, we'll sort of through our character and spirit rather than our quality sort of match them, or we'll be better than most of the time. But this was not just the character and spirit of the team, it, it was also the quality as well. And like Tom Definitely. said with that, that, that Campo through ball, I've watched it a number of times over the years, not, not recently, but I, I, I remember it. I don't need to watch it again because it's imprinted on my, in, in my brain uh, how how perfectly weighted that pass was from Campo for the third and how, you know, you'd have to use the word unerring for an Elka's finish. Once he'd got that first goal, past late, and I remember that first goal and Lehman just sort of waving at it, just thinking, no, forget it. And no chance, no chance not, in this not world. Not going to die for it. So it was just that that third goal, the ceiling goal, was just one of the happiest moments as a Bolton fan. I remember because of just the pure quality on the pitch. Not just it wasn't you know it wasn't just like a a Davies header from a corner or an Abdulli five bullying the defender and nodding it in. It was it was an actual uh, a thing of beauty. And um, yeah, great great choice from Tom to pick that as as his game from the season because. That certainly was one of one of the highlights of my boat supporting sort of fandom, really. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've gone back and seen a few highlights over the course of the last couple of days looking into this, and one of the write-ups I read just triggered a memory with me. I remember Kevin Davies being—he shoved Dubuay to the floor. They had a challenge, and and obviously Arsenal at the time were were reacting to all kinds of things. The write-up that I, I read made me laugh because Davies just basically shoved the guy to the floor. And the write-up said the saving grace for Davies was that his hands were below shoulder height 
and now that, <laughs> that which that. obviously deems a yellow rather than a red. I mean, just to think back uh, in using using modern standards, I guess to assess that 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 would be any kind of justification for you to impart any kind of physical violence you wish. Just don't raise your hands above shoulder height, lads. You know? <laughs> well, Barton got it's... away with it numerous times for punching people in the stomach, didn't he? So <laughs> he did. You can get away he with did. anything. It's just it's just sensational because the, the the whole thing just just evokes so many fantastic memories. Now, to follow on from that, we didn't quite have the momentum that you might expect. We lost at home to Chelsea, so okay, you can you can probably accept that because Chelsea were a good team at the time. Drogba would be the top scorer in the Premier League that season with twenty goals. But we went away to Reading and lost one nil at the start of December. So you think, uh oh, we've just come off the back of a crap run. Are we going to go into another? But no, we went on an unbelievable five game winning stretch. After that, we started off by beating West Ham 4-0 at the Reebok at home, which included a double for Davies, a goal for Juve and a goal for Anelka, the, the infamous one that, that saw the end of Alan Pardew. Special mention, by the way, for that Juve goal, which, again, if anyone gets the chance to watch, is an absolute goal. superb solo goal. And, and then, it, and then the, the celebration to go and uh, high-five Sam, where Sam looks absolutely nonplussed by the whole thing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> this is what my players do. This is just normal for us. It's sensational, isn't it? We went into into this this run of games. We beat City away 2-0, so that was a double for Anelka, so that was his third in two games. Anelka would also score the week later on Boxing Day as we beat Newcastle at home 2-1, and he would score again in Lee's featured game, which came on the 30th of December 2006 at home to Portsmouth. Looking into looking at that game, Lee, that, that Portsmouth were, were a funny team at the time. They, they had some, you know, looking back at Portsmouth, obviously on the Harry Redknapp era, he's no fucking wheeler dealer, all that kind of carry on. One thing that came at the time from doing this research was looking back that he chased an Elka that summer with the same kind of perseverance that we chased Andy Johnson. So again, you know, things could have been so different, couldn't they? Or it had one gone our way and one not necessarily not gone our way. Um, but the Portsmouth team at the time... Some pretty notable faces in there. David James, Glenn Johnson, Sol Campbell, Gary O'Neill as well. And then, of course, you've got Matt Taylor and Sean Davies supporting Nico Cranchar, of course, and Andy Cole playing for Portsmouth at the time. But this is the game you wanted just to look back on. So I wonder if you could perhaps just, just give us your recollections, mate, and, and any particular moments in that game that stood out for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was um, 30th of December, so it was the last game of the calendar year. And... Obviously, we, we, it was the the end of our five game winning run. Unfortunately, it came to an end after that game. But um, but we, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we like I say, we beat in West Ham. We'd gone to Villa Park. I went to that game as well. My speed scored the only goal. I went to that one, and um, I remember being out with mates for the Man City game. And, um, and I think I think we just got some. I think we'd got, gone away somewhere for a Christmas sort of meet up. And uh, I remember seeing an L good. Scored both. I think that was Nicky. I think Nicky Hunt set both up, didn't he? In that There's City a brilliant game. moment in that City game where um, I think Pedersen plays the ball into into an Elka and Juve, who's absolutely miles offside, just runs over the ball as if it doesn't matter at all, and now backs it into yeah. the net. And the yeah. City defenders just watching it and thinking, "How on earth is that not offside?" And there's just Juve's little smile on his face, knowing, "Yeah, I'm, I'm just a bit too good for you boys." Yeah, I remember that. Like I say, so that was the third game of the winning run, and um, like I say, just just. Just thinking, we've just gone to City and just, you know, nonchalantly beaten them two 0 and and then we and then obviously with Boxing Day um, at the Reebok, we we boiled uh, Graham Sunas's piss that day because I remember him saying how, how much I think it was Sunas at that I think it was that game that he was uh, talking about how you know our tactics and I think it, there was a big sort of hoo ha about 
the way you described it. was Glenn Roder, to be perfectly honest, oh, mate, at that time. Soon as was 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 a subsequent one. Um, right, right. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was. There was uh, a lot of moaning serious. though. If I can, if I may interrupt you just momentarily, Rhoda said after that game that you cannot expect referees to see everything. Kevin Nolan pushed Peter Ramage in he the did. back for the first one. <laughs> yeah, to concede that goal after playing well in the first half an hour was a huge disappointment. Now, this is a Newcastle team of uh, uh, Pavel Cernicek, if you can believe he was still playing back then. But, but Nicky Butt, Scott yeah, Parker, oh, Kieran Dyer, Dibierski, Giuseppe Rossi. You know, some, some interesting names there. Oh, Chris, was, you, I'm so pleased that you reminded me of that. That, that Kevin Nolan shove on Peter Ramage is one of the That's funniest right. things again. <laughs> oh, God, that was that was brilliant. But no, yeah, you're, you're right. I remember Cernicek being in goal for that game. And as you're, you're, I'm sure you're about to go on to say, Lee, he must have been about 40-odd then, surely. I can't believe he's playing then. I would have said he retired in about 98. I don't think Pavel Cernicek's <laughs> with us anymore, is he? I th- I think no, he, he passed away. Yeah, he passed oh, away in 2015. But uh, he had a second spell in Newcastle. He signed for them in September that season. Because Shea yeah, Gibbon got injured, I remember it very yeah. clearly. He'd, he'd left too, and he'd gone to play. He played for West Ham and Portsmouth and, and a few different teams. It was it was getting on for eight years since he'd his first spell at Newcastle, but he only played twice before he retired. Wow, I was about to say I was just building up to the the Portsmouth game. Just just mentioned those wins. Like I say, those four wins. Um, I say a, a, a resounding win over West Ham, and then the the, the two away wins at Villa and City, very impressive. And then we come into the game with Portsmouth, who were, who were flying high as well. I think they were. I think going off what Redknapp said, I think they were maybe uh, a, a place or a couple of places below us. And I think if they'd have beaten us, they'd have gone above us. So they were flying as well, um, to be fair to them. So I just remember it being sort of around Christmas time. Everyone's, I think I've been on the piss for straight, you know, sort of eight, eight straight days or something like that. So I was, my brain was pretty frazzled by this game. But I just remember being like enthralled by it from the start. I mean, Matty Taylor scored within a couple of minutes. I remember it being a fairly fairly slick goal and it being quite quite an easy goal and it just looked like we'd perhaps run out of steam and we'd, we'd hit a bit of a brick wall after sort of the exertions over the of Boxing Day and, and, and the wins, you know, the four straight wins in a row. But I just remember that, like I mentioned before, the spirit of the side and uh, I don't particularly remember Abdullahi's goal, the 30th minute goal off the top of my head and I've been looking for, for highlights of this game and cannot find a single piece of anything anywhere on it, YouTube, whatever. So, I'll lend you my season that... review DVD, pal. Don't worry, it's on my. I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> well, I, I used to have all them. I bought them. I think I think for four or five straight years, I bought every one of them. But God knows where they went. But it's it's, it's fifteen years on, so they've they've gone. They've, I don't know where they are, but they're, they're in someone's loft, one of the various houses I lived in around that time. So with with different mates and stuff. So some one of them's got it in their loft or something. But. Um, yeah, like I say, I don't remember Fai's goal, but I vividly remember Campo's goal and, and David James mm. push, pushing away. I think it was a, I think it was a Davies header, and I remember the angle being like ridiculously looked like insurmountable angle for Campo to sort of throw himself at it, and he flung himself at the ball when it was just kind of going out out of his sort of reach, if you, if you know what I mean. And he and he flung himself at it, and he went in off the bar and. I couldn't have loved a man more in that moment in time when he scored that to go two one up five minutes before half time. He, just his will to like, like throwing everything everything into it for the club was just that's what makes for me personally. He's my man up from that era. I know, I know he's not the number one legend of the club. Obviously, in that lost houses, but when you've never seen a guy play, you've never you've never witnessed it. It's difficult to have that same sort of feeling, isn't it? So for me, he's 
I, I don't know. There's just something about him that that just completely typified the man and and his you know his contributions to the club really. That that goal, just that absolute. I'm going to get this ball. It, it just looked impossible. I might be overegging it because again, I haven't seen it. I think I don't think I've seen it since that day. But I just remember it vividly how how hard he tried to just make sure he got to that ball, which was just superb. And then obviously, I remember the Anelka Anelka goal. Just I think it was I think a shot was pushed pushed clear, and and he just sort of got to it. He raced forward and got to it before uh, David James and just knocked it into the net. And and obviously we there was a late goal from Andy Cole in the 89th minute, which obviously we don't ever make things easy for ourselves, do we? And we in, uh, sort of had a few few tough minutes of injury time to endure. But um, I was reading an article from about the game um, in the Independent, um, just just a match report basically on the game, which uh, I quite liked a, a line from the the writer at the time. Um, at the end, a guy called Dave Hadfield wrote the article. I'm just coming to it now. Sorry, one second. Um, so it made for a nervous four minutes of added time and made Bolton grateful for the early contribution of Jessica Lyon. The Premiership's informed goalkeeper made three crucial close-range saves when Portsmouth had the time to turn the game around. One of those saves from Cole just before half-time was described as world-class by Allardyce. It is a description which can be used about various facets of Bolton's play. With 39 points in the bag, Allardyce was willing to concede one thing. We're safe now, he said. We can start planning for next year. Those plans, if Bolton maintain their current momentum, could include the Champions League. Now that's just just reading that about our club is just 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 mad, isn't it? And and then we signed David Thompson. <laughs> we did, we did. So we Thank finished God. the year off. Yeah, you couldn't, we you couldn't get in Portsmouth to team. Indeed, it was not being able to get to a team over Sean Davis. Well, that that's a very interesting point because Thompson did play that day. He came on for for another ex wanderer. Um, but if if we may take a, a short diversion for a moment, Lee, do you want to see if Tom get does any better with your pub quiz question than I did? Well, you we've named them all, so I bloody hope so. We've we've just named we've named them all towards the start. Of the uh, this part I want to see if he just... was paying attention. Yeah, let's no. see if he is. So there's five. <laughs> Five former one, sorry, five, well, five future wanderers in that Portsmouth. Six, well, I think it's yeah, sixteen because there's five subs. But in that sixteen that day, there was five. So I'm pretty sure you're going to get them because we just talked. I think we've just said three or four of them in the last minute. So I'm fairly, fairly certain I can get four. Um, so Matt Taylor, David Thompson. Yep. I presume Andy O'Brien was there. Yeah, that's the one. That's probably the one. You, you, uh, Having said that, I'm not. I'm not drawing a blank. Uh, Sean Davis, obviously. obviously. Yeah. Uh, There's only one more. Oh, for goodness' sake! This final one being the player that played for us most recently of all. Oh, Gary O'Neill. Yeah. Excellent. Well there done. We so it, there's a lot of connections between the two sides, but yeah. it was. It, we ended that 2006 on a real high. It was our fifth win, and obviously we went into the the new year in in third dropping down to fourth occasionally with, with results elsewhere. But it was at that time that, you know, obviously Sam now cites back in his book and elsewhere, he said it a few times in papers and things like that and on telly, that he wanted further investment and was denied it for who knows why. But the time of David Thompson on loan from Portsmouth, who we'd just beaten, wasn't enough to inspire us to victory it at all in January. We lost away at Liverpool. We drew at home to City and Charlton and we got tonked 5-1 away at, Mid- at Middlesbrough. At the Riverside, uh, a game I remember fairly well. Nolan scored that one, and Abel Xavier scored. We were, I think, we were three nil down 
in the first 20 minutes of that particular one. It was mm. rubbish. We, we won twice going into February, but again, I think this is a perfect example of how the small squad we have started to come back to bite us on the arse a little bit as, as they began to tire. Um, three consecutive defeats in March included two 4-1 away losses to Spurs and Manchester United. And we also lost at home to Blackburn in the month. So again, furthering our, our record that year of losing losing games against teams. Had we beaten them at home, things might have been very, very different. A 1-0 win against Sheffield United followed was followed by a, a 3-1 win away at Wigan. Um, and so we'll just touch on that one for a moment. And we're, we're getting towards April now, so the season's end isn't too far away. Andranic Taymorian stepped up that day, scored two after the, the sort of an Elka goal that we all expected, which started off the, the, the scoring from a Wigan goal by Heskey. So again, a, a wondrous connection coming into that. But I don't really remember anything about Andronic apart from the goals he scored in the FA Cup against Doncaster and the goals he scored this day against Wigan, where when things went right for him and when he was, he was started in an advanced position, he looked decent. Now, he's obviously his name lives on in Wondrous legacy now as a result of, of what he perhaps didn't do. But Tom, at the time, did you have any particular memories of Andronic or, or what do you think of him as a general player? Obviously, he wasn't signed to be first choice, but I don't really recall him doing anything particularly wrong when he did get his chance. Admittedly, no, because I, t- I tell you what, it was around that time where I think it was a similar situation with Mikulik when he came in for that um, for that Chelsea game and scored. Mm. And I remember what you know, celebrating and seeing this bloke wheel away, having scored against Chelsea, being over the moon and thinking, who the bloody hell's that? Um, and 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 it, and it was it was exactly the same thing um, for me. Obviously, obviously as a younger fan, and that Wigan game, um, seeing on on Soccer Saturday that a bloke called Andranik Tamurian had scored for Bolton, <laughs> and I was thinking, who the bloody hell is that? Um, it's, I, I I think it's one of those moments where we, we've got Sean Miller at the moment, who, regardless of what he does for the rest of his Bolton career, the fact that he's won a six points with those two late goals. Sean Miller is going to be remembered for Bolton fans for the right reasons. Aaron Wilbraham, with the Notts Forest game, obviously to a much larger degree, will be remembered by Bolton Wanderers fans despite having very, very minimal um, effect over a, a large portion of the season. I'm going to remember Andranic Tamurian for that Wigan game, probably for the rest of my time as a Bolton Wanderers fan, um, because it was just so left field, so out of the blue in a game that we really, really needed to win against a team that wasn't, you know, that was really struggling at the time and that you were expecting us, uh, given our position in the league, to win. And it was just so surreal to have a bloke who had come so far from the left field to to score those two goals. I mean, in terms of his overall ability to get into that team, I think it'd be hard-pressed to displace one of Nolan, Speed or, or Campo. Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, he's always going to have uh, a, fond, a fond memory for me at Bolton Wanderers just because scoring goals against Wigan is brilliant, isn't it? And, and the manner in which the goals are scored as well, he looks so over the moon to do it. He did, and, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it, now that, that, that his name has transcended the years for, for different reasons, but it, it would be nice to have that kind of attacking goal-scoring midfielder coming from the, from the bench these days, don't get me wrong. But I think we thought Sam found a gem, didn't we, at the time? And it, indeed. It's just a little bit sad that it didn't quite live up to that. Oh, yeah, yeah it, he, he, he ended up... Right. Sorry, Chris, he ended up playing... No, go ahead. He ended up playing for a team called Tractor twice and a team called Machine Zazi. Zazi. So uh, yeah, there's West a lot of sauces in Iran. I think. <laughs> yeah, West. Tractor, Tractor being the most famous team in in Iranian football history. I'm surprised yeah. you've uh, you didn't know that going into this league. It's, yeah. it's, I swear, and Andronic's up there in terms of their overall um, record appearance caps. makers. Yeah, it's something mad, isn't it? I think Javed Nekunam's got the, got the most, but and, and don't ask me how yeah. I know that. 
But 101 caps, nine goals for Iran. But yeah, yeah. Looking at a picture of him in Wikipedia playing, it says here, same how him playing for Estegal in the Tehran derby in 2011. So he would have been what? 28. He looks 58, 57. The man doesn't help me. He looks absolutely ancient in that photo, but anyway, he was. That's, yeah, he that's was what living in Bolton for a while does to me. <laughs> yeah, just look, look at Kieran Lee and his wrinkles, for God's sake, at 32. <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I say, after he left us, he went to Fulham on a free and he played in the Premier League. He said he made his Fulham debut against Arsenal, which has helped secure a 1 0 victory. Um, he went alone to Barnsley and then that was the end of his, his career. Apparently, yeah. Gary, Speed, Gary Speed recommended him. When he was coaching at Sheffield United, recommended him to Kevin Blackwell, but then he went for talks with Blackburn to Maureen. He was still Premier League, so he could have ended up in there. With, I think, I think, I think when Allardyce was there, but it, the move broke down as he was denied a work permit, so he could have ended up back with Allardyce at Blackburn when I think he had, Allardyce had youth, didn't he? And, uh, he did. Yeah, he did. So, uh, anyway, it's a little, little uh, journey little side track into, Andro- into Iranian yeah. football. I like it. Well, <laughs> And Jonic's two two goals that day were were the last win of the season for Wanderers on the seventh of April. We will draw three games for the remainder of the season, two of which we'll talk about shortly. But this is when speculation of Allardyce's future began to to gather pace. Obviously, the year before he'd, he'd not he'd missed out on the England job, which has obviously stuck with him and stuck with him ever since. The that the three one home defeat to Reading is one I I particularly remember. We we really just turned up that day and looked like we weren't bothered which for, for the team who'd fought so hard over the course of the season, you could probably put some of that down to tiredness. But at the same time, with all the, the speculation surrounding Big Sam, it was perhaps inevitable that something would, would happen. And it would be after the, the game the, next, the week after, away to Chelsea, that, that things would become official. On the 28th of April, we drew two apiece. As you mentioned before, Mikulik in one of his uh, only four appearances that season scored the opening goal. Chelsea at the time, dominant at home, much as they have been for, for the last sort of 10, 15 years. But we came back and equalised through Kevin Davies at the end. Rob Styles refereed that game, which I thought was interesting looking back, given his, his connection with Wanderers. But it was, the, it was the day after, the 29th of April, that everything became official and, and the sort of world started collapsing a little bit for Bolton. And with Allardyce choosing to resign, citing the lack of ambition for the club. Do you think, Tom, looking back, I know at the time I was absolutely gutted, couldn't believe it, thought he was, he was doing the worst thing in the world. But can you understand, with hindsight and maybe you know with your own knowledge and maturity about the game, things like that, as to whether Sam was in the right to do so. I think we can probably assume quite safely that he had a big fat contract in his pocket from Newcastle United at the time. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, th- I think a lot of the time you can... Uh, managers obviously are there to perform service. It's a job. Um, but I don't doubt for one second that Bolton has got a huge place in the heart of Sam Allardyce, not just because of his time there as a player, but because we have been, um, without doubt, his most successful uh, managerial uh, stint. But 100%, you know, at at the time, obviously, I was a kid. So it was just, it was like, you know, a a team that I I really, really had started to identify with. You know, I was absolutely over the moon to be a Bolt Wanderers fan. It was great being able to tell people that. And realistically, you look back at it now, and obviously the benefit of hindsight helps. Um, But that was when the rot started. You know, we are where we are because of that decision by Allardyce. And it it would be very easy for a lot of people to uh, hold that against him. I don't hold it against him personally because I think if I'd had to work with Gartside week in, week out, I I, I wouldn't have wanted to to do it a moment longer than possible. Um, But it it just speaks volumes. And, you know, David Thompson back in his day would have been a useful footballer, the kind of footballer that Sam could have cultivated into a... um, Yeah. 
in, into a decent player for Bolton, you know, a functional player. But we were in that position then to be able to negotiate with bigger clubs for, for better players. You know, going into that January window, as Lee says, we're on the back of that 3-2 win against Portsmouth. We must have been in the top three at, or top four at that point. You could have spent 10 million, which at the time would not have been too much hassle, especially considering we were safe, as Alan and I said. So you've got another revenue stream coming in from that Premier League Sky money. You could have just uh, filled out the squad with good players who would have been able to not only uh, get you over the line to get you into that Champions League or even the UEFA Cup, I don't care either way, um, that season, but also be able to help you with a European campaign the following season. It would not have been difficult at all. Obviously, we look back at Bolton's financial history now and people will say that I, I'm, being, uh, I'm not being cautious enough on that regard, so I was right to be cautious given what happened. But it's a very, very different thing to have that um, soft debt to Eddie Davis when we go out of the Premier League and the gravy train stops to when we are in the Premier League and the gravy train is continuing. There would have been no issue whatsoever um, of relegation under Big Sam. Not a chance. He could have been here up until the current day, as Lee says, having a Alex Ferguson S dynasty would still be in the Premier League. Of that, I have absolutely no doubt. What's 10 million to losing the person mm. who is the reason why you were there? Especially when you consider that he decided to appoint Sammy Lee who'd never managed before at that point, when we, yet again, were in a bargaining position where we could have got literally anybody else. <laughs> you know, you're know, you not talking like your Ancelotti-level manager or your, uh, uh, you know, Arsene Wenger-Ferguson-level manager that would have wanted to come to Bolton, but better than Sammy Lee. It, yeah, the, the mind absolutely boggles, and I, I, I don't have any hard feeling towards Allardyce for that. I have most of my hard feeling towards Phil Garside. Fair points across the board. That uh, Lee, in, in in your opinion, the appointment of Sammy Lee, which came immediately after, was cited by Gartside as being a continuation of everything that had worked so well for Wanderers over the course of the previous years. Which, you know, at the time made made a certain kind of sense. But in in your opinion, do you think it was the right thing to do, or do you think we should have looked externally and and tried to bring in someone new, at the risk potentially of changing what had worked so well for us? Yeah, I, I think it was just so completely underwhelming. Um, but equally, we didn't have a lot to sort of grumble about as such at the time. So I think most fans were like, "Well, let's support him." And well, I, I don't, I don't honestly remember at the time. You know, going on, it was mainly message boards around that time, wasn't it? So you go on like a Bolton fans forum and have a look at what people were saying. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you'd. You'd have a look on there, but I think you know just just the shock. It was, and it was a shock because there wasn't, like you say, there were there were there were small rumors, but I don't think it was. I think I remember sitting in sitting in my flat with my mate that I just moved into, and um, after the after the um, Chelsea game on the Saturday, and just I think the Sunday morning wasn't it that the the rumors um, were sort of confirmed that he was going to leave. I think it was some, Sunday morning, Sunday lunchtime, and um, just thinking. Just looking at sort of the managers who were available and who we, who we could get off the top of my head right now, I honestly can't remember who we were particularly linked with or who we should have brought in instead of uh, Little Sam. But it was just like I say, so it was just such an easy appointment. I remember outside saying uh, either his unveiling or in press interviews not long after he appointed Sammy Lee, we've got the better Sam. And there's obviously some. Most people have read, most Bolton fans will have read Big Sam's autobiography. And I think, um, you know, apparently in the boardroom, 
Oh, well, I said I want, I need this money just to get as another another player or two just to really go for this Champions League spot because I think we can get it. And and I think the the words were we don't want Champions League. We're not we're not ready for it. We can't afford it. We can't afford the you know the more money that we'll have to spend on the squad to compete in it. Ridiculously short sighted. And um, that was the you know that, that's that's understandably going to mean that big son wants wants to go. Um, so like I said, the managers we could have got in. Who knows who we could have got in? I, I can't even remember. Like I say at the time, who was available? I don't know if either of you remember who who may have been. A feasible option. He would have had a bit more gravitas than Lee. Never even had a managerial job. You know, he don't. I think anyone, Lee. I think any anybody who'd, <laughs> who'd been a manager would have had more gravitas than you know. Sammy Lee is, by all accounts, a very very good coach, but it doesn't help that no one can understand the poor fellow when he's trying to give you a team talk. Yeah, don't don't, don't, help, don't help that he uh, borrowed Big Sam's suit either, does it? Because it, it looked like he. He was wearing a suit three sizes Very too smart in a, head, the, the in, is, in a call centre headset, though. I get it. I get it for those two games because it's a very odd time for a manager to leave his post and you don't want to necessarily appoint someone too hastily, especially yeah, course, after we've yeah. had... So I got it for those two games. Given how crap we were in those two games, it would have been very easy for Gartside to say, sorry, Sammy, it's not going to work out. I'm afraid we're going to go down a different route and there would have been no hard feelings. I agree. Way. The yeah, justification so. given by Gartside at the time was that it was important for the new man to come in and start straight straight away. His quote was along Nonsense. the lines of how the, a new manager needs to understand how we work on a match day. And so obviously he knew full well the, 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 the appointment they were making and how that would be judged. And so he, he couched it in those terms, which I think we all look at, look back at now with hindsight, probably even at the time, and thinking that was, that was just it's, ridiculous. It, it's just the cheapest it, appointment, isn't it? It, it, it was, is. It, it was. It, uh, we were in a position of strength, I think, at the time, uh, given given where we were in the league. And we went into the next game a week later, sh- still shell-shocked, which I think is understandable. West Ham were buoyant. This was the season where they, they did the great escape, winning at United on the last day of the season. This was the penultimate game when we travelled down there and, and Tevez ripped us apart. We were 2-0 down after 28 minutes. Uh, we came back and scored in the second half through Gary Speed, but it wasn't enough. And it would be the, the last game of the season, the following week, where we would have to do what we had to do and, and get things to go in our favour in order to claim a European spot, which, given where we were you know, four or five months prior, just shows an unbelievable downturn. A small squad was obviously stretched to, to breaking point by that time. We drew two apiece with Villa, and we, we did manage to get that European spot, but only by a single point, and we ended up finishing on a negative five goal difference as well, which, again, earlier on in the season, we had such a strong defence but we didn't have a clean sheet um, from the end of March through to the end of May. So, you know, a good couple of months there without having a single clean sheet. So something that the, the defence wouldn't have been happy with. We ended the season scoring 47 goals and we finished in seventh spot, which earned us that European spot. But I remember feeling at the time so disillusioned with Allardyce leaving that the, the, the success and, and the glory of finishing in European, the European spaces you just kind of shrugged it off a little bit at the time because it didn't really feel the same. You were still bothered about, I was certainly still bothered about Allardyce leaving and what that meant in actuality for the club. But Lee, looking back at it at the time, I mean, Christ, we didn't know how good we had it, did we really? <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. I'm just looking at the FA Cup results from that season. I didn't realise we played Arsenal again, but that's come back to me now that no one scored again. Yeah, and I was just going to go on to that, mate. If you, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you there. Kindly, we were crap in the league cup. We lost against Charlton in the third round. Yeah. So absolutely no, no progression there whatsoever. 
But yeah, we got to round four in the FA Cup and we, and we were knocked out by Arsenal after extra time. So again, yeah. energy sapping ties uh, and not a real amount of progress on there, which perhaps points to a focus on the league, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Just looking at that, um, Abdullah Mate last minute equaliser. I, I don't remember that. I will have watched it because I watched every every game, but don't remember that really. And then two goals from Marcel and extra time from Lundberg and Adebayor in February. But it was a strange too far, if memory serves. It, I think yeah. I was I was in America at the time. I remember it in um, some ungodly hour, having to wake up. Um, Dad and I listening to the radio for that for that game and. Uh, being very, very sorry, but my aunt and, uh, and my cousin being very, very upset with the, um, with us waking them up at three o'clock in the morning when Mate scored in the last minute, and um, yeah, no, it was it was just the bridge, bridge too far for, for that squad. As, as as we've said, you could see the second. Obviously, there was an elation when when we got through to extra time, but the players were just absolutely buggered. Come come to to actually play those final thirty minutes. Yeah, most yeah. most definitely, most definitely. It, it was a long season. Uh, obviously, we played the thirty-eight games in the league, only another three or four in the cups. But when you're talking about that same group of ten, eleven players playing most weeks, um, in in some sort of minor rotation, it, it really was no surprise, I suppose, that people were burned out. So, on final reflection, I'll, I'll come to you both to, to just uh, in a moment or two. But my my own thoughts and feelings were that despite the negative end of the season, this really was for me. Uh, I think it's probably the, the the beginning of the end of the golden era that sort of started when I when I first got my, my first season ticket in the late nineties at, at Burnham Park through to this time. It was a glorious period of of us being in that top echelon of the Premier League for the for the majority of the early and mid two thousands. And I, I don't know if football's ever really been the same again. In, in my, my my thoughts and feelings, and I think a lot of that is probably down to changes in circumstance as you, as you grow older, as I've grown older, your priorities change, things become less important than perhaps were. A lot of it may be down to the fact that at the time I had no responsibilities, so my thoughts and feelings were all completely divested in, in wanderers. Didn't really matter about anything else. You know, you worked in order to get money to go and watch the games. You didn't necessarily, you weren't paying a mortgage or supporting a family, things like that. It's, it's, Fantastic to look back and talk about these times, and, and it makes me want to dig my DVD out before I lend it to you, Lee, and, <laughs> and see these goals and these games again because your lad's memory is different to mine in some cases. You know, you remember certain goals that, that perhaps I don't, and probably vice versa. But when I was planning this and I was thinking about asking you both for, for a particular highlight, I, I did think the Arsenal game would be prominent because, you know, let's face it, even now it's one that gets shown. The, the, the goals of both get shown every single time we, we, we get to that time of year or there's a particular element that, that brings it back. The Rovers game for me will always remain special just because of the circumstances and how unique the ending was. But that the Portsmouth game, Lee, I, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. And so I'm really glad you've brought that back up because I, I'm going to dig that out and I'm going to watch it again to, to try and remember because doing research and reading about it is all well and good but there's nothing compared to, to your own memories of it so on final reflection I'll give you both the opportunity to let us just have a quick idea about what it meant to you before we finish so so Lee over to you mate what did the season and what did the, the sort of general tone of what of, of Wanderers at that time mean to you yeah it was just a backdrop to to your sort of life at the, at the time wasn't it like I was yeah it was just it was just sort of the um it was just so so I can't think of the word now, but it was just such a, a thrill to, to watch us mm. play these these sides week in week out, and just be matching them or bettering them, and and just 
just really sort of, I just remember being so immersed in it and, and, um, yeah, I'd be like playing Pro Evo and, and the day before and playing the, t- playing the team, like see, see if I could beat them. And, and then, yeah, just, it was just like, it, it like sort of totally, my life was just like encapsulated by Wanderers at, at the time. It was just, I was just engrossed with it. And I go, I think that season I went to more away games than, than any other season as well. Looking back that I went to quite a few of these away games mm-hmm. and, um, I just, just, it was just such a, it was like the nadir of supporting Bolt, wasn't it? Under Allardyce, obviously, he left that season. And it was just kind of, it built up to like a crescendo where we we could see the Champions League. And I think we were third after that Portsmouth game. We were third yeah. going into the new year, which is just mental. And we sort of saw like, there's, and I think there's, there's very few alternate universes where we make that Champions League and we somehow become a Champions League regular and we're still there now. I, I'm not for one minute saying that's, that could have it's happened. It's called football manager, mate, and it's exactly. entirely possible. <laughs> but exactly, I think, you know, just we, we just saw that sort of ultimate dream of being in the European... The, it, wasn't, it wasn't even a dream, it was tangible. It was tangible. Mm-hmm. Um I think it would, even if we'd signed whoever we'd signed, I think I remember us going for David Dunn at the time, and we ended up with David Thompson. And if we'd signed, no, I know him, good. Dunn was a Dunn was a player. Dunn was a player in his day. Maybe he'd gone past his best by the time we, we were linked with him. Um, definitely, but I'm not sure whether that was exactly that same season. I think it was. I think it was that season. But anyway, I just it was it was so it was so tangible, wasn't it? Just just being able to get to to, to that. Absolute upper echelons of the game, alongside the super clubs of the world, and and it got sort of snatched away through lack of ambition, and and then and Big Sam left, and then just a series of poor decisions since then have, have seen as where we are now. And just looking back at that season, it really does evoke so many, so many happy memories and so many memories of what if as well. Hundred percent, Tom. Same question to you, mate. I think Lee summed it up very well, but my, my overall assessment of this season is nothing but positivity, which is ridiculous when you consider that after that Portsmouth game, we only won four matches for the entirety of the mm. rest of that season. Um, and the thing is, I don't remember that. Uh, I, had, I had to be reminded of it by doing research for this podcast. And, and that, that just shows you the level of sort of blindness, but also ridiculous positivity around about that, that, that particular season. I just thought we were such a fantastic team to watch. I was proud to be a Bolton Wanderers fan. I've been very, very... <clears throat> there's very, very few occasions upon which I've been proud to be a Bolton Wanderers fan, and that season is certainly one of them. Fantastic team with players who I will remember for the rest of my days. Fantastic um, manager and right, right at the peak of, of when he was doing his best work. Um, and it's all, as Lee says, just an absolute crying shame that the possibility of a much brighter future for the club was, was snatched away by poor decision-making at the top. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak into the dead because it's not, it's not fair at all, but I, I, I can't help but be angry with, with Phil Gartside for, for the way that he treated Allardyce and the poor decisions that he made around about that time. You know, we, we've had good moments since then. You know, perhaps if, if we had have had that investment in January and we'd kept Allardyce, we never would have got the Bayern Munich game. Um, we never would have got the Atletico Madrid game. You know, the more recent history, we never have got that Wilbraham game. Um, but it is very, very difficult 
looking back now to not have you know be very wistful as to as to what could have been you know everyone everyone who knows me knows that I hate Leicester City more than any other football club but I, I reckon we could have quite comfortably been them of, of that era the team punching above their weight no right to be in there and everyone was terrified to play against and it was fantastic for Bolton Wanderers my team my club who whenever I was asked the question who do you support and said Bolton Wanderers people laughed at you you could be laughing back at them because of how brilliant we were. And that season really epitomised how brilliant we were at that time. And it's so nice to be able to talk to you boys who are sad enough to remember it with as much detail as I do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been, it's, been, it's been fantastic. I think that, uh, that these podcasts are really interesting to bring back memories and to, to highlight those moments that perhaps in, in times gone by we've either taken for granted or completely forgotten about. But, uh, but no, it's been great. So thank you very much for your time tonight, lads. So this has been... Another episode of the Line of Gunner Suite Rewind podcast. You can find us on Twitter at LOV Rewind. The main website where, of course, you can find the podcast is Line of Vienna STE. And we'll be back very soon with another episode diving back into the memory machine. Thanks for joining us. Good night.